Okay, we're uh, are going to be talking about some horses, but we have some stops to make along the way. And so if you would, you might just want to listen, but I'll let you know where we're going first. We're going to Leviticus 26. And if we're going to understand the passage in Zechariah, if we're going to understand the passage we read from the book of Revelation and all of what they're implying, we need to understand that God had already warned his people very explicitly about the consequences of disobedience. So in Leviticus 26, 21, God tells, speaks through Moses and says, then if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey my voice, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you and I'll bring a sword against you. I will send pestilence among you when I've cut off your supply of bread. Ten women shall bake bread in one oven and you shall eat and not be satisfied. Now, Ezekiel uses these plagues that are cited here in Leviticus to frame his commentary on Israel's life in captivity. And so, um, turning to Ezekiel 14, and that's, I'm going to read that to you. I'm reading from verse 13 to 21. Son of man, when a land sins against me, By persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. Um, I think it's important to notice that this is one of those statements that are in the scripture that God intends to be understood timelessly. It's not about Israel. Oh, it includes Israel. It's not just about the descendants of Abraham, though all of the descendants of Abraham are included. This applies to the USA. This applies to every other country that shares this earth with us. God has said that there will be consequences for all of the world. And that's why he's going to invoke three men. So if they do not listen to me, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. Notice how we've got those same things that God said would happen if Israel was disobedient back in Leviticus 26. We have famine, pestilence, wild beasties. And it says, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel and Job were in it. And this is why I say it's timeless because Noah is from the prior to the flood. Daniel is from the time of the kings. And Job is probably somewhere in between them. Even if these three were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. If I cause wild beasts to pass through the land, And they empty it 
and make it so desolate that no man may pass through because of the beasts, even those three men, if those three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, only they would be delivered, and the land would be desolate. Or if I bring a sword on that land and say, sword, go through the land and cut off man and beast from it. Even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but only themselves would be delivered. Or if I send pestilence on the land and pour out my fury, pour it out in blood and cut off from it man and beast, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were as I live, says the Lord, if they were in it, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. For thus says the Lord God, how much more shall it be when I send my four severe judgments on Jerusalem, the sword and famine and wild beasts and pestilence, to cut off man and beast from it. Yet behold, there shall be left in it a remnant who will be brought to you, and you will see their ways and their doings. Then you'll be comforted concerning the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem. All that I have brought upon it. Now just a reminder, Ezekiel along with Jeremiah were the two major prophets who were active during the time of Israel's exile. And so Ezekiel is writing while Israel is not in the land. Ezekiel's writing while they're living in Babylon. And yet while they're living in Babylon, Babylon, God's saying, I'm going to use these things. And I'm going to bring these beasts, wild beasts, famine, war, the sword, and disease to cut off man and beast. Not even Noah, not even Job, not even Daniel could save anyone. And so this is a strong picture of just how serious the judgment that was coming upon Israel was going to be. Now, listen carefully to what I said. This is how serious the judgment that is coming would be. They're in Babylon. They're under judgment. But the judgment that's coming is nothing like what has already been. They're in Babylon. They've been forcibly extracted from their land, carried away, sold. Many of them have become servants of the kings of Babylon. Others just had the opportunity to work as um, agricultural people. And that day, if you were assigned an agricultural job, that both provided your living and you had to give the bulk of what you, what you harvested to the king. And so they were already under judgment. And God's saying, there's a judgment that's coming that's going to be even far worse. And I believe ultimately that the pictures of the horses that he saw that Zechariah sees are the fulfillment of that warning that Ezekiel gave.
So let's look again. We, we read this earlier. But look again what Zechariah saw. I saw by night, and behold, a man riding on a red horse, and it stood among the myrtle trees in the hollow, and behind him were horses, red, sorrel, and white. And then I said, My Lord, what are these? So the angel who talked to me said to me, I'll show you what they are. And the man who stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are the ones whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro throughout the land. So they answered the angel of the Lord who stood among the myrtle trees and said, We have walked to and fro throughout the land, and behold, all the earth is resting quietly. Now, you and I might think, oh, that's good. Everything's, everybody's resting quietly. That uh, means no trouble, okay? But look at what the angel says when he hears that news. The angel of the Lord answered and said, O oh, Lord of hosts, how long? How long? Will you not have mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah against which you are angry these 70 years? Now, Zechariah was among those who had come back from Babylon. He's living in the land. And he has this vision and he sees these horses. And when the angel of the Lord appears to him in this vision, he says, how long, how long Will it be this way? Because status quo was not good enough. Peace throughout the world was not what he knew God intended. He knew that there was time for restoration and for healing. And so the angel who spoke with me said to me, Proclaim, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with great zeal. I am exceedingly angry with the nations at ease. For I was a little angry and they helped, but with evil intent. God said, I judged my people. I brought evil into their lives. But I don't like the way the people I used did it. Because they did it for their own evil purposes. And therefore, he says, thus says the Lord, I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts. And his fair's line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Again proclaim, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, my city shall again spread, it throughout, spread out through prosperity. The Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem. Now they'd already built an altar when they came back. But if you read Zechariah and Haggai especially, you get a wonderful, it's a great drama. But you see what the people did as they came back to the land and they, they worked together and built an altar. And once they had a place to sacrifice, they said, oh, you know what? Let's build our own houses. And they got really comfortable. And Zechariah and Haggai are some of those people who came to stir them up so they could finish the job. But these four horses, they represented spirits that went throughout all the land. And going throughout all the land. 
it said, did you notice it? They've brought peace to my spirit. Well, I want to compare those four horses with the horses we see in Revelation. Zechariah's horses are never as famous as are um, the four horsemen of Revelation, or we know it better as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I'm not talking about those four football players, but uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, those riders that go out at the end time, their description is based on Zechariah's previous description. And doing that, it ties the Old and New Testament together with unbreakable strings. So in Revelation 6, now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures, creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. Hugh sat on it, had a bow. And a crown was given to him, and he went out conquer, went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out saying, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And that people should kill one another. And it was given to him a great sword. Now, this horse is red, but it's fiery red. The word that's used here is literally more fiery than red. But when it's used to describe uh, a color, it means kind of flame color little bit of orange, a lot of red and yellow. It's, it's intended to be this picture of a horse that looks like it's on fire. Well, there's going to be another horse. When he opened the third seal, I heard the living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. And so we have famine. We had sword. We had um, war. We had, now we have famine. And so there's still one more horse to come. I looked and behold a pale horse. The name of him who sat on it was Death. And Hades followed with him. And power was given him over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. And so this last horse has all the power of the three previous horse and his one purpose is to kill. He went forth to kill. I don't know about you, but that is scary to me. 
There's a day coming when four horsemen will once again ride, like they had ridden in Zechariah's day. But when they do, it will bring death, multiple deaths, from plague, war, famine. But there's more. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of the souls those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, now notice we've heard this cry before. How long, O Lord? How long, O holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on all those who dwell on the earth? That a white robe was given to each of them and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men. Okay, so there we've got all the upper class of the entire world. And every slave and every free man. The mighty men, I'm sorry, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. So all humanity is hiding from these terrible events. And they're crying out, fall on us. They're appealing to the hills and the mountains and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? That day is yet to come. As Zechariah and the people barely stood in the intertestamental period, going through great hardships, and, and one of the kings who was raised up in that time, a man named Seleucus, killed more Jewish people than were killed in the Holocaust because he heard that they didn't like him. That's it. It was told him that they were rejoicing at the rumor of his death. And uh, so for that, he killed thousands, crucified them on, outside of Jerusalem. We live in a time, who knows what the future is? Not nobody, and I know some people predict, we know that Jesus is coming. The gospels themselves tell us that not even the Son of Man knows the hour of his coming. So anybody who tells you they can figure it out, don't believe them. If anybody tells you they've had a re revelation, don't trust them. We wait 
for what we know is going to happen, but we wait as those who don't know when it's coming. Jesus gave a parable to his people. He talked about the coming as um, he told a parable of ten virgins. There were five who kept their lamps trimmed and, and made sure they had extra oil. There were others who were letting their lamps burn brightly because they were partying, waiting for the bridegroom to come. But when the bridegroom came, there was no more oil for them. Don't waste your oil on what's trivial and temporary. Trim your lamps and wait and watch. Because Jesus said the bridegroom would come in an hour that he's not expected. May God give us the grace to trust him for what we know will happen, but we know not when. Let's pray. Father, make us ready. Prepare our hearts for what is to come. And Lord, in Sunday school, we, we heard about Jesus' trepidation as he committed himself to whatever would come. And it's because he was ready to do that that we can come to you and pray because he submitted to your will. Father, we want to submit as our Savior submitted, not knowing what lies ahead, but ready to follow because we know whom we follow. So bless us, prepare us, and when the time comes, Father, give us all that we need to stand. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.